Welcome back to the pod! Episode 8 of Stop It That's Weird. How you doing? How you doing, my little stinky, stinky butt face weirdos? How you doing? I missed you. Uh, I recorded an episode on Friday with my bestie, and it's now Tuesday. And I freaking missed ya! I missed you! <laughs> um, <laughs> the one that we did on Friday was so fun. I was kind of nervous because I haven't, like, I I got the chance to host Matt on an episode, but that was virtual. That was, there was a screen in between me and Matt. So, something about that feels different and um, comforting, maybe, and, like, safer. And I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I say. I don't know, I don't know why, for some reason... It just feels different than being in person and, like, being literally right next to your bestie and being like, Ooh, I hope, you know, I hope I'm funny and I hope she has a good time and I hope I have, you know, interesting things to talk about. And I, you know, I, I, I was, I drank, you know, I got a little tipsy by the end of that one. So if I seem extra giggly or just extra dumb dumb silly weirdo and I was I was because I was nervous so I had a few drinks and by the end of it I felt like I was a little loop-de-loop and we had a great time I I obviously the way the numbers work is that that episode is out now before this one is out because 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 eight comes after seven and so um (laughs) What's my point in saying that? It, uh, I listened back to it. I edited it. Because it's if you're listening to this one, it's out now. And so um, when I was listening back to it, I was like, oh, this is really funny. It's like we had such a good dynamic. And I think I told her on the pod, but like she was so good. She was so like profesh. And she's so funny. I mean, she's just she's like that 24-7. She's exactly like that on the pod so you know as you do for social media you play things up a little bit I do you know what I mean maybe not play things up but like I want to be the funniest version of myself on the podcast you know so I'm I'm trying hard and that probably comes across um if I felt effortless you know she just felt so effortless she's like that all the time so hysterical, so funny, so kind, so sweet. I love you, Laura, with all of my heart. Now, what was I getting at with all of that? I felt like I had a little, like, intro thing to talk about, um, but I, maybe I just don't. It's been crazy. It's been a crazy last few days, you guys. Now, sensory nightmare of the week. The only note that I have down for this is the McCall trip. Because, boy, oh boy, this is, this is something to unpack. Okay, so, I think I've basically said, you know, I work in corporate America marketing. I was sent on a trip If you don't know, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're not one of my friends that I know listens to the podcast, that's my core audience. (laughs) If you happen to not be one of my friends or, like, 
contractually obligated individuals to listen to this podcast. You might not know that I live in Idaho, all right? A lot of mixed feelings about that. It's a beautiful state. Inarguably, objectively, beautiful, gorgeous, stunning state to live in, okay? About two and a half hours from where I live, there is a beautiful, like, mountainous town called McCall. Um, I was sent there. I wasn't sent there. I mean, I was sent there. (laughs) I was sent there to sleep. (laughs) Wow, I'm just already doing such a bang-up job of explaining this. Okay, what are we trying to say? I had to drive a lot, okay? I was sent to this remote location to take marketing photos. In order to get there, I gotta drive to McCall. That's the closest place that I can stay in a hotel to where I need to go, all right? That's two and a half hours. I park it. I, I unload all my stuff. I brought my dog with me. If I haven't said already, I have a little Boston Terrier and she overheats very easily. And I couldn't find someone to watch her last minute, really, and I didn't want to. And so I just took her with me and we had a little blast, me and her. But... I couldn't take her up to the site with me is what I'm trying to say because it was so damn hot up there. So I had to leave her at the hotel, okay? And then I have to drive two additional hours just to get to the site. Again, I, I'm not staying at the site because there's no room up there. So I got to drive two hours to McCall, two and a half hours to McCall, two hours to the site, do what I need to do there, drive two hours back to McCall, in a single day. That's like six and a half hours of driving if I am mathing correctly, right? (sighs) Folks, this is what happened. No one told me what the additional two hours driving to this site was going to be like, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you what it was like. My worst nightmare. I grew up here in Idaho. I've been on many a camping trip. I've been in all sorts of different places all over the state, okay? Most of Idaho is quite rural. If you're not familiar with Idaho, it's mostly fucking mountains and trees, okay? Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I'm so angry about it. Well, I kind of do. We'll get into it. It's, it's, yeah, it's rocks, mountains, lakes, water, trees, animals. That's most of the state, all right? I set out, I've got, they told me that I wasn't going to have cell service for the entire, like, they're like, when you get up there, you're not going to have cell service, okay? I knew that. What I didn't know is that 20 minutes after I left the McCall area, I had no cell service. So for most of the two hour drive up to the site, I had no cell service whatsoever. And that's fine. This is why this no cell service thing is an issue. Uh, it, it was treacherous. Tre- truly. I, it is, this was the worst road I've ever driven on in my entire life. To call it a road is crazy. Infathomable, even. And like I said, like, I, you know, I grew up with, you know, campers and outdoorsy people. I grew up in this state. I've lived here for 30 years. I'm no stranger to hiking, and outdoorsy shit. Do I love doing it? No! I will do it on occasion because it's beautiful. And I do, I let, you know, 
getting out in nature is lovely but I'm not you know I'm not someone who likes to go hiking and rock climbing and shit all the time but they didn't tell me what to expect at all on this road but it was like a jeep wrangler commercial is what i'm trying to say it was i needed a jeep (laughs) i needed an m250 (laughs) so bad I drive a Subaru, guys. I, I'm gay. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I have one. I've always had tiny cars my entire life because I'm small. <laughs> and it just makes sense because I don't live in the goddamn mountains. I don't need a truck to drive around a, a town, you know? I just don't. But they were like, do you want to drive up there yourself? And I was like, yeah. I got a fucking Subaru. I can handle it. It's the first, like, SUV-type car that I've ever had in my life. What I had before this was a Chevy Spark. Google that. It's almost as small as, like, a smart car. You know? Not much bigger. And I was used to driving that for years and years. And then, like, 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 I have a Forester. And that feels humongous to me. But I love it. It's, you, you could, when you get a car like that, like, I don't, I don't need a Subaru. I just don't. I don't need one. <laughs> like I said, I drive around a town all the time. I'm all, I, I drive, like, f- 10 minutes in any direction, and that's as far as I need to go, pretty much. Most of the time. That's most of my life is just, like, 10 minutes in any given direction. And I'm there, dude. But, um... You convince yourself. That's what I was trying to think of. You convince yourself of reasons that you need it. And so I, what I, I end up having this. This is so funny to me. And maybe it's not funny to other people. But it's this kind of. Wow. This kind of conversation is so fucking funny to me. The conversations that I'll have with my own father. And I'm self-aware as I'm doing it. But it's so funny. Dad humor is also just. That's the way to my heart. Just like dad mannerisms and humor is it will instantly like bring me to my knees it's so fucking funny I will be cry laughing um but like you know I'll drive my dad doesn't live in the same city as me so I'll drive a couple hours to get to him and then once I get there every time he'll be like super still doing good and I'm like "Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, I'm glad that you sprung for the, for that extra room. If you ever take a road trip, you're gonna need it. You're gonna need all that extra space in the back. It's got them big old tires on it. You got four-wheel drive. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's what I thought. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, you know what? I haven't taken a single fucking road trip in it, but if I wanted to, I got the four-wheel drive. <laughs> I, that's a lie. I have taken a road trip on it, but on a fucking road. You know what I mean? I don't need four wheel drive. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was that's that's just an aside. Okay, so my car can handle it is what I'm trying to say. But this truly, you know, you know the commercials that I'm talking about, the Jeep Wrangler commercials, where they're literally driving over, like, five-foot-tall pointed rocks for no reason. Why are you doing that? Where is that? Stop it, you know? <laughs> but this, that was this fucking two-hour drive to this location. 
20 minutes. I'm like, do do do, smooth sailing. I lose service and then immediately it was treacherous. Tiny, tiny, little skinny, one lane dirt road. But dirt is not even appropriate to say. It was just rocks. I was driving on the cliff face. (laughs) And I put this under sensory (laughs) nightmare of the week because, I mean, I don't feel like that's kind of self-explanatory, but um, (laughs) the, like, repeated to, like, just the, like, jostling you know what I mean? Like, you ever, uh, you never, <laughs> when you're, you know when you're on, like, a treadmill or something, and you run for, like, 20 or 30 minutes, and then you get off, and you, like, still have that weird feeling of, like, running or walking quickly? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how to describe it, but it's, like, they're just the, like, constant jostling and, like, up and down motion for two hours straight made me want to peel my skin off. But aside from that, I was afraid of (laughs) flying off the side of this, like, just comically, too. You know what I mean? Just all I can think of is Indiana Jones when they're, like, (laughs) when they're in, like, they're, they're in Jeep. It's a conspiracy. They're, they're always driving Jeeps in those movies, too. There'll be, like, four Jeeps, and it's, like, a crane shot, you know what I mean? Like, a a drone shot, and there's, like, four Jeeps, and they're, like, weaving in between each other. And then, inevitably, someone gets, like, shot, like, the driver gets shot in the head, and then they just, like, down the side of the mountain. That was about to be me at any second. I I was cracking up laughing at a few parts, because I was just, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it in one piece. And then I get up there. And like I said, no one warned me. No one was like, oh, Trisha, you're driving your own car instead of like the company car up there. Maybe you should reconsider. They were just like, all right, good luck and Godspeed, you know? <laughs> and then I get up there. And then like, literally, I had like four people swarm me when I got up there. And they were like, how'd you find the drive? And me just being neurodivergent, I didn't... I just, and also like a people pleaser, you know what I mean? When, when someone asks you, how are you doing? You just say, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Cause what, but you know, what you could really say is like, well, I'm anxious and my stomach kind of hurts and I kind of have to pee a little bit, but you don't say that. You just say good. And so they were like, how did you find the drive? And I was like, fine, great, no problem. But you know, it wasn't until I had to drive it again the second time that it finally like clicked for my stupid brain and was like, no, they really were like, you made it in one piece. Thank you. Thank, 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 thank God. Thank the, the, the powers that be that you made it up in, a, in, in one piece. And that was a moment of like neurodivergence, like, uh, self-awareness. That's one thing that I think I will have to like work on uh, actively being more active, uh, I don't know how to say this, but, like, being more active in the conversation, or being just, I don't know, not active, but aware that when people ask you things that they actually probably want to know, you know, sometimes there's niceties in, like, social, whatever, like, the, hey, how are you, like, I'm not gonna, you know, dump my day on the girl that works at the Froyo place and is just trying to, like, ring me up at the register or whatever, but, um, I think my brain just immediately is like, oh, they just, they're just doing the niceties. 
so I should just say good you know um but what but but when I was on my way back I was like oh (laughs) and then I was like yeah you probably should have been like hey that's fucked up that you um like I could have died and nobody warned me that it was gonna be like that at all and also hey and also I took my own car and I planned to stay up here three days I was gonna stay for Monday and then go back on Wednesday to get like a whole variety of photos I came back a day early Uh, I, I stayed one night instead of two because uh I, I didn't want to perish <laughs> in flames on the side of this mountain, this godforsaken mountain. Yeah, I was like, wow, Tr- Trisha, you should have actually been like, hey, um, yeah, you're the one who coordinated this bullshit. Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, no, I would have never said that. But, you know, would have been like, hey, that's crazy that, that I, that, that literally not even an email or a text or anything, huh? Couldn't, uh give a girl a heads up like I still would have come and like I said probably like rented a car or something that was like more suited like a like you know something with a little more torque (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even find this is how like (laughs) I sit there and I like talk shit with my family who are like so much more uh into like cars and just like engines and stuff like that um that I can like I know enough of the language that I can like bullshit my way through a conversation with someone but I couldn't even find the four by four if I wanted to (laughs) I was like I was looking around and I was like where is it I'm gonna fucking die so funny I would have come prepared and at least if I if I would have rented a car or something I would have I think at this point in my life I would I wouldn't feel shame to like ask the person at the rental shop to be like can you show me where all the things are so that I can like you know just a heads up would have been nice that's all that I'm asking for but it was like I could tell this is what, like, was frustrating about the whole thing is, like, when I got up there and, like, four people asked me, one person in particular who coordinated the whole event was, like, I could tell in her asking of that question that she purposely hid that information from me till the last second, like, until I was already up there. She's like, oh, yeah, I tried to send you an email this morning letting you know that there are, like, two separate routes. I don't know where the other, the second route is. And also, she kind of made it seem like it really wasn't even that much better. Like, there's, you could take a second route that, that was a little bit longer. Like, it would take you a little bit more time to get there, but supposedly it was smoother. But barely. When I talked to people, they were like, yeah, you, uh, uh, I guess, you know. But I'm like, girl, we've been, we've been planning this trip. I've known that I've been to go on this trip for at least a month, if not more. And you're sell- you're telling me you tried to send me an email. Number one, you you're the one that told me that there's no service up here. So no, you didn't. Hey, you're a liar. <laughs> so you tried to send me an email this morning when you know that I'm driving up. She's like, well, rest in peace if she didn't make it up. 
Rest in peace. It was like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, she, she was like, oh, if I tell, if I tell her how bad it is to like get up there, how much of a pain in the ass it's going to be. And, and it felt to me, I may be projecting or insinuating stuff based off little information, but it felt to me like she purposely withheld that information. And then once I got up there, she was like practically like sprinted up to me like, are you okay? <laughs> you all right? Was the drive okay? You know it wasn't. You know that it wasn't okay. And you, did, you didn't want to tell me that when I told you that I was going to drive up by myself. Because you knew that I wouldn't want to come. So that's not cool. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. It was fine. And I'm, I'm obviously being kind of dramatic about the whole thing. But I really, you know, I'm not being that dramatic. Because I, I, I swear, if anybody else... I saw people, also, I saw people driving like Teslas. <laughs> like uh, what why how I don't think they I really don't think that they made it there were people that were like this is how bad the road was I've never been on a road that was so like rocky and difficult to drive on that you have to literally it it was 29 miles okay if you can think about what the what the what the what the math what the calculation should be, how long should it take you if you're going like 65 miles an hour? How long should it take you to go 29 miles? Okay, this 29 miles takes two hours. I was going 10 miles an hour most of the time. If I was lucky, I got up to 20. That's how fucking bad this road is. Like, I don't think that I'm exaggerating that much. I was looking down at my speedometer and sometimes I, like, felt like I was going really fast. But it was just me going, like, like, over all these rocks and shit. And I'd look down and I'd be like, man, I'm really, I'm really pedal to the metal right now. And then I'd look down and it'd be 15 miles an hour. It was crazy. Yeah, there were some people that truly had a death wish. Um, there are a lot of people in rural areas that drive around these little, um, go-karts. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a golf cart on steroids, you know? It's not quite like a quad. It's not like a four by, you know what I mean? Um, it's not, it's got a little roof on it. I mean, I guess essentially it is a quad with just like a roof on it but you can really haul ass on those things <laughs> the amount of people that i just saw like whipping around the corner <laughs> with a death wish really those people really i mean you gotta get used to it living in the mountains for so long that you just like trust yourself that much or something <laughs> like, you can really, you can really get going on those fuckers. <laughs> so, yeah, so I left yesterday, drove six and a half hours, had that whole debacle. I got the photos. I got the shots, folks. You know, we got the bag, and then we, and then we escaped. Then I, <clears throat> I was, like, telling every, all these people who were, like, staying at this site, 
my plans and I was like oh yeah I'm gonna stay till Wednesday and stuff like that and then literally on the drive back I was like can't literally can't make myself drive do this drive a single more time a single more time one <laughs> okay I'm just gonna move right along from that hyperfixation of the week <laughs> I think that's it for that I mean I had a good time I had a good time there um it was funny you know I have this thing where even when I'm experiencing discomfort I it usually is funny to me in the moment maybe at one point I will talk about this massage that I had one time that like this is not gonna sound funny when I say it but I swear to god it's funny I got a massage one time um where this guy (laughs) he was massaging me you know he was going in (laughs) and when you think about it when you take a step back you're like sexual assault that's an assault but it was i just couldn't i was cry laughing at the table as it was happening because I was like no you aren't no you are not sir sir my fucking nipple doesn't need to be massaged (laughs) hey that's my labia you know I literally had, like, tears streaming down my face, and I don't, like, I don't know if he knew that something was going on with me. You know how you're getting a massage and you, like, twitch sometimes? My whole, like, shoulders were just, like, shaking because I couldn't stop laughing. Because I was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. And at the time, this is a long time ago, but at the time, I just couldn't bring myself to be like, what the fuck are you doing? doing (laughs) hey stop you know like don't do that I don't know why you think you need to like lift my leg up into the air and like (laughs) you know what I mean undress to your comfort level and then like (laughs) like holds my legs like a wheelbarrow that's what I do I just like I re when something that's happening that's not that shouldn't be happening my knee-jerk I don't have the like fight thing in me really like I I guess more I do more now you know as as I've experienced some crazy things in life you know as people do as you go through life you learn you live and you learn and you grow and then you set boundaries and you go hey I'm not gonna accept this kind of behavior or something like that one I couldn't I couldn't say that to a mountain but um I when it's just a thing that's like so deeply rooted in me when like something that I would like to not be happening is currently happening I usually get the giggles and just can't stop laughing instead of like you know, having that fight instinct that's like, this is bad, stop it. 
what I should have done is, like, as I was driving up there, fucking turned around and drove back. Or, yeah, or at least, like, had a chat with the people when I got up there and said, like, hey, that was pretty bad. Is there, like, a different way that I can drive? A different, you know, path or fucking, you know? Could someone air pick me up Jaws of Life and, like... <laughs> helicopter drop me somewhere else or something because I don't want to drive that again um but I didn't do that instead I was giggling the whole time and just finding finding lots of jokes and stuff like that and just to be clear the massage story is not funny you know what I mean I've told people that story and I will be like cry laughing because I just like it just that's how I deal with things, and I, it was funny. I genuinely thought it was funny at the time. It was comically just ridiculous. That's like an SNL skit or something, or like, you know what I mean? It feels like mad TV that you'd go in to get a massage, and it would be that crazy. That's funny. I think that's funny. But sexual assault is not funny. And this guy was also sick. He was also ill while he was massaging me, and I got very ill afterwards. So not only did I have a bad massage, but he was, like, digging in there, like, cupping under my fucking titties. (laughs) And then I got ill. He passed his illness on to me. That place could probably be shut down. You know what I mean? I- that was- But if I would have just had, like, two fucking brain cells talking to each other at that time, I could have been like, hey, if I just say anything to the front desk, this place could probably be shut down or something, you know? There's so many things wrong with that. (laughs) That's just, that's, it's funny. If you're concerned for me, don't be. Laugh at me. It's funny, okay? I'm giving you permission. I was, like, I truly was laughing the whole time. I remember, like, texting or calling my friend immediately after, and I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it together. I was like, you're not going to believe this story. Just picture in your mind's eye. (laughs) Anyway, so what's, what's the lesson there is if something feels wrong, you should probably speak up about it, you know? Or not, like, I, the thing that I do is I think I must persevere. Why didn't I, you know, I was the victim in that situation, so we'll just say that. This guy shouldn't have been giving me a massage in the first place. And also, why did he think it was okay to massage like that? Not okay. Not cool, guy. So, it wasn't my fault, is what I'm saying. But also, I, like, I I can allow myself to have the autonomy and strength to be like the you know the first time that he grazed nip I could have been like what was that hey bud what was that because you and me both know what you just did you know what I'm saying he was doing it in a way like going like so far down the thigh that he's like in the crease You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was trying to, his gestures, his mannerisms were in such a way that it was just like, oh, oops, oopsie, (laughs) whoopsie, poopsie. (laughs) You fucking know what you're doing. 
And also, poor, uh, you know, then the, then, I, then I actually, like, think of it realistically, and I'm like, he was doing that to, like, I, I wasn't the first woman that he did that to. And that sucks. That's not funny. I don't like that. But when it's happening to me, it's hilarious. So funny. Great story. <laughs> so, speak up if you feel so inclined, you know? As long, you know, as long as you feel safe enough to do so. I could have probably, like, anonymously called and been like, hey, you know this fucking guy? And they probably would have been like, tell us about it. That guy's getting canned. Because we've got, you know, this is his third strike or whatever. That's probably what would have happened. And that's probably real, you know? And that also bums me out that it's probably, some guy has been doing this forever and they probably put him on some, like, three-strike program instead of just being like, hey, first time that you did that, not okay, can't do that again, see ya. <laughs> I wish I could whistle, you know, do the, like, a, get the fuck out. I can't whistle, sorry. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> my sensory nightmare of the week was that, was that crazy, crazy trip. I did have a really good burrito when I was up there. <clears throat> smothered it in hot sauce just demolished it in like two different kinds of hot sauce and that was wonderful I really enjoyed that um hyperfixation of the week we're gonna get back to my trip in a second okay because there this is another thing that's like the dad jokes that I was talking about or like the dad humor I just, like, I really hope there's someone out there that understands why this is so funny to me, but we'll get into it. For some reason, I really want to talk about my, uh, I put, I put down my new shoes that I got. I really like them. Um, I got some Nikes, and I think they're really cute. And Matt made me feel really good about him because I was like, I'm thinking about getting some new shoes. So I, like, sent him the link of the ones that I was like, I'm getting these for myself. And then he was like, those are fucking sick. And then he bought them for himself. His, his self. <laughs> also. And so now we have matching shoes. And they're so cool. And I just, you know. Everything that I want to wear, I'm styling around the shoes. You know? So. Do, you know, that's a treat that you can give yourself. Do that. Give yourself a new pair. Every every once in a while, I haven't gotten myself a new pair of shoes in quite a while. And so I did. And now I just feel cool. I feel cooler than I did before I had them. <clears throat> and that's probably objectively true. I, d I don't know where else to put this but hyperfixation of the week. Because I'm obsessed with this concept now. <laughs> now that I've seen it and I've become aware of it. And I knew of its existence prior but it's so funny to me that I just, I truly, again, this feels like a skit. Like, if I was a better, you know, comedian or, like, skit writer or something, there's a skit here. But, um, men driving in big pickup trucks, they love to give you a little finger wave when you're passing them. Especially on, like, a one-lane road. And I don't know if anybody else, like, can picture this and how funny it is to me. <laughs> but for some reason, it is so funny to me every time 
a car would be coming at me and I'd see them coming in and I'd have just enough kind of like shoulder to like scooch over for them to like slowly creep past me every single time that someone was passing me and it was almost exclusively men I swear to god they would pass me and they'd either give me they'd be they, <laughs> that was the most porky the pig <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> okay they they would they would picture in your mind's eye <laughs> a man with his hand on the steering wheel okay and as he's going to pass you he doesn't let go of the steering wheel he just like raises his four fingers <laughs> gives you a little wave just a little yep thank you <laughs> you know and then what i also was getting i'd either get the four fingers and, 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 like, a head nod sometimes. Or, and they're never holding the steering wheel with two hands. It's only one hand. <laughs> and l loosen the grip to give you the four-finger salute. <laughs> that's probably a euphemism for something that I don't understand. So, if that's uh, actually offensive, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, that if you just give you the four-finger... Or they'd be like, and they're always sitting. <laughs> I can't even get through it, you guys. I can't get through it. They're always like leaning so far back <laughs> in their chair. The seat, they're leaning so far back, <laughs> and they give you the four fingers. Or, <laughs> I'm about to cry. Or they'll be leaning so far back, and then I was just getting one. Think about how funny that is to just be gripping the steering wheel, and you just do one little fingy wave. <laughs> just one little, yep. <laughs> just one digit. <laughs> that shit is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> uh, I saw it, like, you know, a dozen times, it felt like. On the way up there. So after like a handful of times, I started doing it back to people and it was so funny. Like they, they're quick with it. Like I would go to pass him and I'm like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to beat him to it. He's, he's about to pass me. I'll give him the wave or the nod first. So I'd do a little nod and they would like really aggressively and so quickly. Like if you put a timer on how fast they like nodded back to me. <laughs> they olympic speeds you know so funny give them a little finger wave they'd be like uh, uh, right back so quick oh so i'm obsessed with that concept now that is like like beating men to the punch to, of their own game beating men to the like head nod game is hilarious I've never thought of anything funnier in my entire goddamn life. Can't breathe. That was so funny. So that's something that you should do now, you know? If you see a man, this is the, the you know, this is a total stereotype. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not even sorry about it. Because 100% of the men that I saw up there looked like this. And that's a fact, okay? In Idaho, 
men driving in the mountains. They're driving a huge truck. They have skinny little sunglasses on. You can see their sunburn through the <laughs> through the windshield, often in a tank top. Leaned their seat leaned way far back, gripping the hand the the steering wheel with one hand. If you see that man, beat him to the punch. You know. Or do something totally different that he's never even seen before. Don't give the one fingy. Don't give the four. Don't give the head nod. Roll down your window and, like, give him a thumbs up. Or, you know, peace sign or something. Or get, get creative with it. You know, though that's not very creative, what I just said. But <clears throat> stick your little tootsies out the window and waggle your little toes at him, you know? See what he does then. Oh, that's so funny to me. <clears throat> what, what, how many minutes have I been yapping? 42? <laughs> oh my god. 42 minutes. I've been talking about this. I'm gonna throw up. Wow, this is so funny. Okay. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm just making noises. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, what were, so I talked about my shoes and the cowboy finger wave. Gotta do that. Quirky silly little things. And blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna shorten that, you know? Thingies that made me angie. <laughs> um... Okay, so I'll talk about this one. Uh, listen, I know that I should give people the benefit of the doubt. I know that, you know, like uh, Laura was talking about in the last episode, when someone's driving and they're driving like a dick bag, you're like, oh, she, well, this is what she does. This is not what I do because I'm not a good person. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, that person, you know, Maybe their family member, their loved one's in the hospital. Maybe um, they have to shit really bad. And so you think about that and you're like, oh, they probably have a reason for doing what they're doing. That's difficult for me. I do immediately want to be angry. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the time I can put it in perspective and be like, oh, you know, I also drive like an asshole, I'm sure, all the time and don't even realize it. Um... So, you know, I'll snap myself out of it. But something that makes me so mad, I really don't like when people stare at me. I'm not talking about, like, a little glance or when, uh, yeah. Like, if someone, if it looks like someone's looking at me. Like, it happened today at the gym. Um, I was, like, at the leg press and I could just, like, feel the hot stare of someone. And I looked over and there was a guy that was looking at me. We made eye contact, but the second we made eye contact, he looked away. I think he was just zoning out is what he was doing, and so I don't care. That's fine. I do that all the time, you know? What I don't like is people when that have the audacity to continue staring at you after you both have acknowledged each other's presence with your eyeballs. That fucking pisses me off, and I, it shouldn't make me angry, 
I should probably know, like, it's a them issue. They're also probably not, like, I, I immediately feel judged by those people. Doesn't matter who it is. Man, woman, old, young, doesn't matter. If someone's staring at me, like, staring, I immediately feel judged by that person, and it pisses me off, and I just want to, like, scream. <laughs> no, I said old, young and old. That's not true. If it was, like, a little kid, I, I, you know, whatever. Kids do weird shit all the time. But if it's, like, an adult, usually the profile, I'm doing a lot of profiling in this episode. That's risky behavior. But it's all on white men. Did I say the cowboys? That I saw were all white men. They were. Um, this happened also a lot in McCall. I think is also why it's like front of mind for me. Old white men love to fucking stare at me. And it pisses me off so much. And it shouldn't. You know, I don't feel like I'm a very angry person at all. I may have said that before. I really don't. I don't. The little, like... Very little makes me actually angry, and then even if I was actually angry, I will, it would take so much for me to actually act on that anger. This is one of those truly, like, quirky, silly things that makes me so immediately rage-filled that I want to scream and make them uncomfortable, too. And I, I, I even wrote in my notes that, like, I know what, why... It is this way. I laugh too much and now I can't fucking breathe or speak correctly. I know why it is that it bothers me. I I have a complex because my, my parents, my whole family really were extremely critical of me. Like very critical, especially of like my looks. And so I immediately, when an old white man is looking at me, like, staring, and we make eye contact, and he continues to fucking stare at me like I'm an alien or something, it makes me so fucking mad. And I, it used to make me uncomfortable, and then I would just move on with my life, which is probably what I should do now. It's just, like, move on with my life, walk away, not engage with it. But it makes me so angry now as a 30-year-old woman that I want to stop dead in my tracks and like continue making eye contact with this person until they're as uncomfortable as they're making me so they'll walk away from me or stop staring or something and that is what I do some sometimes sometimes yeah I just it bothers me so much is it's like what what I I've experienced so much parental criticism or parental figure parental figure type like (laughs) criticism in my life um, and it, it, a lot of it relates to the way that I look. People, I don't know if it's something about m- me, like my vibe, my aura, but I do find that older people, older men and women, take extreme offense to my appearance and sometimes comment on it right in front of me, like to my face. I'm a small individual. I'm five foot five one on a generous day you know like five foot nothing I've had like tattoos and stuff I've always like I've always wanted to look like a little alternative girly because that's cute and so I got tattoos like as soon as I could when I turned like 18 you know I don't think I've talked about that on the pod yet but maybe I will at some point 
I love every tattoo that I have. When I was 18, I had something to prove, you know? And so I got, like, large tattoos. Like, I got... Uh, this could be considered maybe a three-quarter sleeve on one arm and, like, a half on the other, essentially. And then more. I just, I just could like, I was so desperate to, like, be edgy that I wanted to get large tattoos covering large portions of my body, you know? Um, and then any old person... I also will say I've like I've looked I think I look my age now when I was younger I didn't I really did not what I but truly when I was 18 years old I looked fucking 12 to people and it wasn't fun and it made it really hard for me to date because I've looked alive like most of the time in my teens and all throughout my 20s I looked uh younger than I am uh and I don't know if that has something to do with it is that I would you know especially in the summertime when I'd be wearing clothes that would show tattoos and stuff I don't know if it's because I looked like I was you know I was 18 or 20 and I looked 12 15 or something and but you know it was just my appearance was always very like bothersome to older people and I literally had people like stop me before and ask me like why I would do that to my body and stuff like that um and then also you know that's a whole other thing that the another layer of it to get into that like my parents had a lot of opinions about how my body should look and I when I was younger if you asked me if my parents ever gave me like a, a complex about that I wouldn't have thought so but uh after years of therapy and unpacking, a hundred thousand percent. Um, anything, they've always praised me for being s small. Um, and I'll just be straight up with you, not to like, you know, take it in a super somber direction, but I was too skinny, too skinny at, um, certain parts of my young adulthood and, like, late teens, and it wasn't by choice, and I didn't have an eating disorder. Uh, I was malnourished at the time, and I was praised a lot for that. I should I I, uh, I said how much I weighed at the time, and I think I won't say how much I weighed um, because I don't want anyone to f to feel any type of way about how much they weigh because uh, whatever you're, you know, everybody should love the body that they're in right now because it deserves love, but it was, uh, concerning how much I weighed at the time, and it was not, it was, um, due to neglect, people, that's what it was, um, and so, what was I saying, it was, uh, I, oh, yeah, 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 so because I'm five foot nothing, and I was underweight, um, and my parents and family gave me a lot of praise for that I thought I always thought that like tinier uh was better and so any time that I was maybe gaining even a healthy just a little healthy amount of weight I was um criticized for that and so it's very 
frustrating, obnoxious, and infuriating to me um, when I feel like I'm being judged, especially by older people that want to, like, have an opinion about my body. Um, <clears throat> and I just don't see any other reason. I think my brain immediately is like, oh, if this person is staring at me and, like, scowling at me, they must have a problem with my appearance. And then my brain immediately goes, I will fucking fight you. Say a single thing about the way that I look and I'll, we're about to tussle, old man. I, this is the thing that makes it, like, problematic. I don't care if he's 80. <laughs> uh, this, I don't care how old. <laughs> and it is usually, like, people my dad's age and older. My dad's, well, 60 now. Yeah. It's always been people that, like, throughout my life were around probably my dad's-ish age. It makes me so fucking mad. I just want to be like, what? What? What could you, what fucking stupid-ass opinion could you possibly have about, like, what size I am or what shirt, what clothes I'm wearing or that you're offended by a stupid tattoo that I have on my body? I, when I was younger, I also had, like, piercings I had a lip ring for years and years and years and I loved it I thought it looked so fucking sick it did look cool it just mm, I want to fight I want to fight them so bad and I don't know if that's something I need to get rid of obviously I would never actually I say all this like very angry like I want to yell at them I, I want to I physically feel so angry in my body that I like want to fight you but of course I never would and I don't ever yell at anybody. I don't ever say anything, really. Um, I just feel the rage boiling up inside of me. And the most that I'll ever do is, like, stop dead in my tracks and just stare at someone until they are as uncomfortable as I am. And then they, like, move on. But it is such a deeper thing than me. to Like, to me. You know, someone probably is stopping. Re in reality, check for Trisha. Someone, some of these people are probably just stopping, and they're like, "Oh, that's an interesting shirt she's wearing. What, what does that say?" You know, and they stop for too long, and I'm like, uh, "You have a fucking problem." <laughs> but sometimes I, I definitely can tell when people, I don't know, they've got something on their mind. They want to say that's like it really is. There is some. I do believe there's something about my aura that makes people f have the audacity people have said some wild shit to me maybe I should get someone on the pod who can like attest to that like back that up because that truly is a thing people in me that have known me for a long time have bared witness uh to a million stories that I've told them or they've been present for people just like saying crazy shit out of nowhere to me and I know part of that is just the female experience every every woman has had a million crazy things said to them but you know but I did like there is I do feel that there is something I'm not being very articulate in this segment at all so I'm sorry about that but um I do feel there is something about me or my face or something where people feel the confidence they feel confident enough they see me they lock eyes with me and then sometimes will come up to me and say something. And I'm like, I don't know what about me is saying 
come up to me and say how much you like hate my jeans you know didn't ask for it don't want it please get the fuck away from me you know but that but that that has happened a million million times and I really probably should learn to like let that anger go but I kind of don't want to you know what I mean and that's probably not healthy but it's like what like I said it's like one of the few things that make that makes me really angry like I viscerally feel angry and I don't want to let it go and I, I, I and I want to retaliate I want to make that person feel as uncomfortable as they're making me feel and I know I'm like releasing all of my like childhood anguish onto this person just in a look you know what I mean in the most insane look that I'm giving them probably <laughs> I should probably just work through that in therapy and let it go but you know so somewhere in my brain is like you know what Trisha you deserve this <laughs> you're allowed this okay you don't ever get angry you're not a mean-spirited person you're allowed to give someone a nasty fucking look or make <laughs> that's not okay I shouldn't be giving myself permission to make others feel uncomfortable but boy did they make me feel uncomfy you know and and maybe that's just life I don't know um that's the angry segment what's she anxious about now money you know but who isn't socially problematic i'm autistic if you are listening to this podcast right now and you heard me say the words i'm autistic and you feel differently about me than you did 20 seconds ago or throughout the entirety of this episode if you feel some kind of way about me now that i've disclosed my diagnosis to you I would love it if you would sit with that feeling and with that thought. People should just should not have to be afraid of telling others who they are. That's who I am. That's my diagnosis. I'm also the same person that you thought that I was before I said that I was autistic. But I, I'm just at the beginning stages of learning that autism is a very scary word to a lot of people. You know, I'm very new in this diagnosis still, but I have experienced, and I shared a little bit on the podcast about this, but I have experienced a small amount of, when I say my specific diagnosis, people feeling sorry for me or treating me suddenly like I'm broken and I don't care for that. And people with disabilities shouldn't be made to feel that way. Lesser than or incapable or sorry for... You know what I mean? Imagine go imagine going about your life and that's the first emotion that you're met with from people. You know what I mean? I'm trying to understand that and also understand and respect that I am speaking from a an extremely privileged position when saying that. I feel that I'm I am valid and right in my feeling like being frustrated in this very few encounters that I've had where people have like heard a word heard I'm autistic and then treat me differently because of that single word I've had very few experiences like that and I also have the privilege of 
not having to disclose that information to people if I don't want to. So I'm trying to understand that. I'm trying to grapple with that and and realize that my experience is not difficult in that regard. But others are having a really difficult time. My feelings are valid. My feelings of, of frustration are valid. And I think people... I want people to think uh, more deeply if they have, if, they, if, if, if a, a diagnosis is making them feel strange just from hearing a diagnosis or something. I want to challenge people to think differently. But part of me is also like, I don't, I really don't have anywhere to complain. You know, I don't have any room to complain. But if, if me challenging the way people are thinking perceiving me has any kind of minuscule positive effect overall in the on the way that even like one person thinks about perceives or speaks about autism um then maybe I'm doing my job you know what I mean so so that's socially problematic um man I really do have a habit of like having the goofiest silliest time and then getting into something like really really deep uh but there it is you know what I mean I just want to challenge people on that and I also want to challenge myself too I'm very open to criticism and feedback and ways that I can uh speak on this on this subject a little bit as inclusively as I can you know what I mean yeah we're eight episodes in and I, that's the first time that I've like named what I am, what I have. And I think I'm thinking about that right now because I had a conversation with my stepmom. We went out to dinner on Saturday and I had my first conversation with her where I said, I'm autistic. And she straight up made me cry. I don't, I think, I think she would be fine with me telling this story. She just she's so generous when she knows when she can feel that there's something that I'm needing to hear from a parental figure she's very generous with the like in those critical moments where she knows I'm feeling really vulnerable and I need someone to just say something so basically loving to me if that makes sense like she was just saying things like you're not broken you are so loved. You're, you're so capable. Um, stuff like that. Just like so basic that just like, I, I, you know, we were eating like tacos and I was going to like weep over my tacos because she was just saying such nice things. And I think it's, I think it is also front of mind for me this week because I have a tendency to, to, like, I don't care, I don't care, this is going to sound insensitive, but I don't care about the people who are, who I don't trust. Like, the stranger that we're talking about who's, like, looking at me and judging, judging me. I don't care about making him uncomfortable because I don't know him. I don't trust him. But also, like, a, a deep thing, a deep-seated thing for me is that I know that the people who I love most and I trust most, the people who I wanted to trust most in my life, 
proved themselves to be untrustworthy at times. So, that being said, I even even though I have a wonderful relationship with my stepmom and I know deeply how much she cares for me and loves me, there was a part of me that said, when you say to her, I'm autistic, she's going to say, no, you're not. She's not going to believe you. And then that's going to turn into a whole thing, you know? And she didn't do that. And for me, that's been a ever-present um issue that I keep running up against in not just in neurodivergence and stuff but in lots of aspects of my life where the people who I trust the most I'm I'm most scared to tell them the thing you know and then when I do they always react positively because I have one I do have a small but mighty support system the people who I have on my side like in my court I feel that they would you know they really would go to to bat for me will fight for me but I think that comes from I just made the weirdest like squeaky noise (laughs) I wonder if that came was like came out of my that was totally involuntary came out of my throat I hope that's in (laughs) I hope that got caught (laughs) caught by the camera I got caught by the mic. Um, yeah, I think I'm just realizing now, saying this out loud, that I should talk to my therapist about the fact that the people who I was supposed to trust the most in this world were untrustworthy and I felt unsafe around them. So those people who I thought that I should be able to share everything about me, I felt really not safe to do that. So now I still have whatever that mechanism is still is going in my brain. And so um, that was just my second point on the socially problematic thing is just like, I don't know. I don't know what uh, drives me to sometimes just say, I'm done with that now. Oh, it's autism. The revelations that I have sometimes where I'm like, I don't know what drives me to do this. Ah, nah, it's neurodivergence. Um, sometimes I just full stop decide I'm done with that thing. For eight episodes, for seven episodes, I've been like, I'm only going to see, say neurodivergent because I'm scared of the way that I'm perceived. I don't know who's listening to this and I want to control the way that I'm perceived. And then I had a couple, you know, bad experiences in the office. And then I thought on that for a little bit. And then I just said, "Mm, I'm done with that. I'm done with that now. You know what I mean? The whole point of me doing this is to unpack it. To name it, unpack it, thrive in the joy that is my autism. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole fucking point of this, Trisha. So if I don't name it, I feel like I'm doing myself and my audience a disservice. I think I apologize about that. I think this is my apology for being too scared to say that I was autistic. For fear of being judged, yeah, I was just being a little cowardly. Um, and a little self, you know, there was a protective, uh, probably a necessary protectiveness that I felt for a little bit. And that I'll probably still continue to feel. But I think what's happening now is there's a, a little brain shift that's 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 um, 
like the scales are tipping the other way and I'm saying my desire to live authentically as me which includes autism neurodivergence that the the desire to do that to be that wholeheartedly in its uh ups and downs and goods and bads and cleanness and messiness all of that all together the desire to be all of those things that complex human being to allow myself to be that that desire is now outweighing my fear of being judged the fear isn't gone those two things are existing simultaneously you know I've just, I've had some really, um, really awesome experiences lately. Yes, I have had a couple negative experiences. The positive ones that I've had lately have blown me away. And it really, like, yeah, this dinner I was talking about that I went, um, I went on, went to with my, um, stepmom was overwhelmingly positive so incredible where she was just totally affirming everything didn't hesitate for a second didn't see me differently nothing what she was worried about is that I would get a diagnosis and suddenly I would um, feel differently about myself and that I would say oh I'm broken or oh you know not not that is not to say that she thinks people with autism are like that she meant quite the opposite she said nothing but um how capable she believes that I am and how a lot of she agreed with me that like a lot of the traits that um that are attractive to people in me have to do with my autism so she was afraid that maybe I would say that I would um, be blinded by some of that uh, bias that is still so prevalent in the world. Like, I knew that there was one thing that was connecting all these different areas of my life that would make it easy for me to understand, easy for me to manage, and simultaneously explain, uh, not explain, but just like, give this diagnosis for me has given me permission to 1000% be who I am unapologetically that's what that's done for me you know diagnosis is certainly a very nuanced thing for a lot of people and everyone experiences their 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 journey through diagnosis differently for me it was like I found the thing that I've been looking for my entire life. Truly, I was like, this explains everything about me. And in a blissful manner. And it just like allowed, I don't know, something about this. You know what it is? I've been talking with my therapist about this for a while. Is because It ties into the parent thing. Um, because I was criticized so heavily, I was always, uh, just desperate for my parents' approval and for other people's approval and stuff. So I've been waiting for permission to do a lot of things. I've been waiting for permission to be me in every sense of the, of Trisha, you know? 
and this diagnosis for me has like given me that and I don't know if I can articulate how or why maybe that's another episode but that's really what this has done for me it's tied all these loose ends together it just fucking makes sense it just makes sense and it feels comforting and overwhelmingly happy and positive and it fucking breaks my heart to see other people see uh, this word and think anything other than joy because that's what I feel right now and I know that it is like such a complex thing it's complex and it's difficult and it's frustrating and it's sad and it's anger inducing sometimes depending on the person but like the fact that people are out there not maybe leading with kindness and happiness and joy first um really breaks my heart you know what I mean and so I what I wish that we could all like collectively work on is challenging ourselves a little bit just being able to name it is so insanely freeing and I understand that firsthand now my stepmom was also saying this which was like I think we were talking back and forth about it um I've always acted like I I needed a, a thing. Like I was missing a piece. Like I was like, I know, because I was. I know that I'm missing something. I know that they're, just tell me what's, what, what's going on with me. I was tempted to say what's wrong with me there. Because that's the terminology that I was using prior. Which I am not using any longer. Um, just tell me what's going on with me. Help me understand. I've always felt like that and she's seen that a lot in me that it's like uh I I have had my own negative outlook on all of like on my own mental health for most of my life I've been like there's something wrong with me and I just can't fucking name it and I just it's one of those things I don't know what the name for that is but it's like something is wrong with me and people just haven't found out yet you know what I mean it's not quite imposter syndrome. Oh, it was in the book that I was reading. Here, I'll tell you what it is, and I'll put it in the description. Um, I just finished this book. It's by Johnny Webb, PhD. It's called Running on Empty. It's about emotional neglect. It's a silly little jaunt to the read. My therapist recommended it to me, and it actually was so, so helpful. But she, um, what was the term it's not imposter syndrome it's fatal flaw it's fatal flaw you feel that you have a fatal flaw and when people find out this thing about you that's broken or that's totally wrong incorrect then they will truly despise you and for me autism like the diagnosis of that learning more about it educating myself about that and then placing myself, being able to, to like, you know, if I'm looking at a map of the, U, the U.S. or whatever, wherever Trishaville lands on there. <laughs> That's a really cheesy and stupid way to put it. But, like, if the map of the United States was autism and I placed myself on there and I'm like, this is where I live and this is the, t you know, topographical map of what that looks like for me, it really has done... I feel like I have the key and I don't have an excuse to not be happy anymore, if that makes sense. 
I've given myself fucking permission. It keeps going back to that. This has really been like a therapy session at the end here. Wow. But it really goes back to the like needing permission to be myself. I've always been like, oh, this is wrong with me. And if I get this diagnosis, then I'll have to be working on that. And I need to fix that. I don't need to fix my autism. There's nothing wrong with it. I love it. It's, it's what makes me who I am. It's what gives me skills that I, that I am proud of, that I enjoy. I now have the key to give myself permission to be myself. You know, I've unlocked that fucking door and I can't go back the other way anymore. And I don't want to, you know? Does that make sense? So, that's where we're at right now. I finished that book on coming back from McCall. Wouldn't that have been depressing if I flew off the side of the cliff while reading about my emotionally neglect, my emotional (laughs) neglection? (laughs) Is that? I don't feel like those were real words that I just said, but maybe. Maybe it is. Um, I'm looking at my emails. Why am I doing that? I'm recording a podcast. You can look at emails later, you dunce. Okay. Um, <laughs> my brain's just going on to the next thing. You're still recording, dweeb. Okay. Did I go through all my points? Um, uh, nature's sick. <laughs> you know, nature's very cool. And I enjoy being in it. <laughs> My note says, nature's awesome and makes me instantly feel amazing. Who'd have thought? You know what I mean? I swear. I mean, like I said, I think I said earlier, I'm not, a, I'm a, I feel I'm a city girl. I am not a country girl. I, I, I enjoy a hike. I like to get out there, uh, go for a swim. But I don't want to be doing that all the time. A hike like every day sounds like too much for me. But for, but if that's if you do, if you like that, go fucking crazy. That's just not the life for me. Can't be doing it every day. But you know sometimes like I will be uh, feeling like depressed, and then I will go on a single walk outside. Like I, I truly, it's the object permanence thing. I like forget. That all these very simple things exist in my life. And I'll be like, oh, I'm so sad. All I can think is that guy on TikTok who's like, I'm really sad. And then he farts. And it's funny. Um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'll be like sitting in my bed just like sad. And I'll be like, hmm, I have no idea why I'm sad. And then I'll be like, well, that, you know, guess what? You haven't left the house in four days, Trisha. <laughs> And then I'll go on a single walk, and I'll be like, my depression is cured. (laughs) I saw a tree and a butterfly, and I live very near a river, you know? And so I'll, like, walk near the river, and I'm like, I've never seen anything more beautiful. My my soul and spirit is reinvigorated, and I'll never be sad again. (laughs) And that's just life. Is it? I don't know. That's just me. Um... Nature's pretty cool. So if you're feeling sad and you haven't left the house and you feel up to it, just go on a little nature walk. Just go on a silly little nature walk. Just go on a little nature walk. Just do it. See a little flower. See a little, see, see, see a little ladybug. 
cute dog, you know? And then I'll just... <coughs> and then I'll just make you feel better. Revelation of the way. And the other revelation was... Um, People that you trust will be kinder than you think. And I know that's not always true. I personally have not exp always experienced that. But now that I'm older and I have had much, I have taken ownership over who I trust and who I allow to have access to me, uh, those people uh, will be kinder than I think that they will. You know what I mean? It's so like that thing I was saying earlier, like, even people I trust, it's sad to say, but I sometimes think that they will let me down because I've been let down by people I was supposed to trust before. But they don't, but they just don't. The people that I have in my life just don't. So, I know it's hard to put yourself out there when you're feeling really vulnerable, but I'm learning to... The, pe the people who I trust, I trust for a reason. You know what I mean? They have over and over and over again shown me all the reasons that I should trust them. And so hopefully over time I will learn to uh, unconditionally trust them. Is that the right phrasing? I don't know. Like I unconditionally love them. I love them so much. More than, any than, any than anybody in the world. Um... But that, yeah, I want to uh, rid myself of the demon of the ghost that is telling me that they might, they might make fun of you. They might say something mean, even though they won't. They've never done that and they never will. They've shown me only good things. So, you know, if you're like me and you have those thoughts, just think about it. Work on it. <laughs> Um, affirmations. We gotta end this. We gotta end this episode. Uh, this is a great episode, I think. This was a fun one to do. Um, affirmations, baby. I'm rad. I'm fun and funny. I have so much value that I offer the people I love in my life. And new friends. <laughs> I have infinite potential. I deserve to put myself on a pedestal. I love myself. Hey, be kind to yourself, weirdos. Okay, I love you. Talk to you next week. Okay, bye.